millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome to Date Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, and I'm a green smoothie enthusiast, a radical self-care advocate, and a dating mindset coach for ambitious women looking for a deep and meaningful romantic partnership. Each week, you'll hear me answer a frequently asked question from this community, interview experts in the field, or work directly with a caller as I coach them through a dating or relationship obstacle they're facing. I give practical advice and tangible action that you can apply to your own life so you can learn how to treat yourself the way you want to be treated and get into the relationship you desire and deserve. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode number 59 of Date Yourself Radio. My name is Veronica Grant and I'm your host here at Date Yourself Radio and I'm also a dating and life coach for smart, ambitious women who wanted to find love like yesterday. And if you're new to the podcast, a huge welcome to you. Make sure you dip back into the archives, check out some episodes that look interesting to you. And if you want to listen to some of the older episodes, then go to veronicagrant.com forward slash episode, and then just type in whatever number you want. So episode 12 or episode 13 or 14 and see what comes up. If it resonates, listen. If it doesn't, then type in another number and see what you get. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I am so glad to have you back. So thank you so much for being here. I truly, truly appreciate your continued support of this show. And if you've been loving my interviews and the quickie episodes and all that kind of fun stuff, then I would so appreciate a quick rating or review from you on iTunes. It helps me to get this episode out to more women just like you. So to do that, open up iTunes or Stitcher. I'm not exactly sure to do it in Stitcher, but iTunes is more helpful just because that's the main podcasting platform. But anyways, open up iTunes and search Date Yourself Radio in the search bar and then tap the thumbnail for this podcast. And then there's a little tab that says reviews. So tap that review and then leave a rating or review. So to leave a rating, you just click the number of stars you'd like to leave. And if you'd like to leave a review, which I would so appreciate. It takes just another minute or two. Just leave something that you like about the show, an episode that resonated with you, anything that comes up. And I would just be, again, so appreciative of you because it really, really does help me to grow and support this show. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about something that comes up a lot with my clients and inside the Dating Mindset Bootcamp, and that is a fear of asking for what you want. And it can be a small thing, like you want a good morning text, or it can be a big thing, like having the DTR, the Define the Relationship text. But either way, 
women, including myself previously, and I think I've done other episodes about this specifically, are terrified of asking for what we want because we think of it as a win-lose situation. Either we're going to get what we want and then everything is going to be happy and rainbows and unicorns are going to fall from the heavens, or it's going to be bad and we're going to be rejected and then we're going to feel like crap and then we're just going to go down this whole spiral and rabbit hole of self-shaming and not feeling worthy and not being good enough for what it is that we want, um, including a healthy, loving relationship. But the truth is, is that it's actually not a win-lose. And I understand how it can seem like a win-lose. I mean, I just shared a couple stories of my own, especially with a past relationship where I, for months, refused to have this kind of conversation because I was so scared of the possible outcome. But the truth is, is that it's not a win-lose situation. It's actually a win-win because either A, you're going to ask for what you want in the relationship with the person that you're, that you're with. So whether again, it's the DTR or if it's the, I want good morning text or I want more phone calls rather than texting or I want you to initiate more dates or um, you know, X is really important to me and I want you to be accepting of that about me. What, whatever it is, it's either a win because you, you know, will get what you want and the guy will be responsive and, and receptive to it. And then you get an opportunity to actually be a lot closer. And, and it's every time I've had these conversations and it's gone that way, um, including my current relationship with my fiance, Stevie, it's always brought us closer and closer together. Now, I can understand again how it'd be easy to see that the lose would be, well, he's not going to, you know, be receptive or he's going to think I'm a bitch or he's think I'm needy or whatever. And then, you know, everything's going to fall apart. My life will be over. But the truth is, is that it's also a win because if this thing is really important to you and it, and it helps you to feel loved or safe or secure, or you just know that it's a value or a moral that you have in your life, then you have no business waiting around and spending more time and really not just spending more time, but wasting more time with this person. So you get to move on with your life quicker and you don't get as emotionally invested the longer you spend with someone. And so you're able to just kind of gather your things a little bit quicker and then move on to the next relationship or move on to another part of your life that you want to focus on. So it truly is a win-win. So speaking of using your voice and speaking up with what you like and what you don't like, I am surveying my community, especially the podcast community over the next couple of weeks. And I would love, love your input. I've got questions around what you like about the podcast, what you want more of, what you don't want more of, what kind of offerings you'd like to see me offer, what kind of ways do you learn the best, and what do you think would be most helpful for you to really move forward in your personal life and especially in dating and relationships. And, you know, also how you want to move forward in your own personal development. So I would so appreciate you taking just a few minutes to fill out the survey. It seems like the survey is long, but a lot of it is multiple choice. So you can move through it pretty quickly. Um, five minutes, 10 minutes, absolute tops. But I think five minutes is really all it takes at the most. So to do that, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash survey. And I'll put that link also in the show notes and just fill out the questions for me. And I would be so, so appreciative of them. And you don't have to worry about hurting my feelings if there's something that you don't like or something that I'm do- doing that you want less of or something that I'm not doing that you want more of. I truly want to know how I can best serve you because again, I'm not here just to talk into a mic to hear myself talk. I am here to really support you and moving forward in your life and in your relationships. So again, the link to take that survey is veronicagrant.com forward slash survey. All right. Oh, and I'm also going to be giving away two 30-minute coaching um, sessions with two lucky survey responders. So to do that, just make sure you leave in your name and email. That part is optional. So if you don't want to be included in the raffle, then no big deal. But if you would like to um, be included in that raffle then and to win one of two uh, 30-minute coaching sessions, then head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash survey and fill that out. And I was just telling my business coach the other day that I think 30 minutes with me is far more effective than hours of reading a self-help book. So I hope you'll take advantage of this. 
Okay, so on to today's interview. I am so excited to introduce to you Shireen Thor. She is a badass on a mission, though she doesn't care about seeming important, so she won't bore you with insignificant details that will make you think she's impressive. She's not. She's just a regular gal doing her best to piss off the world and leave it better, leave it a better place. And she focuses her energy mostly on life purpose, family, and lifestyle design. And she's here to talk to you about how to use your voice and to speak up for what you want in a relationship. This is such an important topic, and I I know I've done other episodes around this, but you know everyone has their own two cents and their own perspective, so I really do want you to listen into this episode because the message is so, so important, especially if you struggle with owning who you are or speaking up for yourself in a relationship or you just let everyone walk over you or if you are a people pleaser. So as you listen into this episode and to this interview I do with Shireen, I want you to consider these questions. Do you overshare or are you overbearing with the men you date? So it's kind of the flip side of holding back. And I didn't really talk about that, but maybe I will in a future introduction to another episode. Do you know how to effectively communicate with a man? Do you find yourself living on someone else's terms so that you don't upset or piss anyone off? And do you get really attached to the men you date because they look great on paper and maybe you're afraid that no one else better will come along? And are you living in the masculine too much? Or, or this is a big one, are you resistant to letting any masculine support in because you think it'll eat away at your independence? All right, so I hope you can tell this is going to be a pretty juicy conversation. So sit back or keep walking the dog or watching the dishes, whatever you're doing, and make sure you really listen in, take some notes, and let me know what you think of this episode after you're done listening to it over on Instagram. I'm at Veronica E. Grant. I cannot wait for you to listen in. So let's get right to it. All right, we are back with the show, everyone, and I've got Shireen with me. Welcome to Date Yourself Radio. Well, hello there. How's it going? It is going pretty well. I am <laughs> super excited about this interview. Um, I know you've got so much spunk and energy and personality, and I'm really looking forward to just hearing what you have to share with the world and the kind of work that you're you're doing. So let's start there. What do you do? How do you help people? And how did you get there? That's a great question. Gosh, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a mixture of comedy and life coaching. And that totally sounds weird. But um, I'll start with like your last question, which is how did you get there? Because that will explain it. Okay. Um, I pretty much just grew up in a super traditional family who expected me to be like a doctor, lawyer, and engineer. And Mm -hmm. clearly that's not really who I am. (laughs) (laughs) So like early on, I kind of learned like, you got to be who you, who we think you're supposed to be. Cause I'm Egyptian. So super collectivistic, like, you know, what is everyone going to think if you're this loser who like didn't become a doctor? So (laughs) I just kind of like flew under the radar for most of my life. And I went to college because I was supposed to, though I wasn't necessarily tapping into what I was passionate about. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because, you know, they were like, who cares what you're passionate about? You have to do these three things. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I got into college and where, where I really would have loved to do like something like dance or performing arts or whatever. I didn't. I did communications, which was very interesting, but it was my second or third choice as opposed to my first choice. And then I got my degree, got a decent gig, And found myself to be like in a very strange quarter life crisis when I was on the verge of turning 25, Uh where I just had this moment where I was like, man, I'm, I did everything I was supposed to do. Like I checked all the boxes, I got the degree and now I have the job. And I thought I was supposed to get to the end of this yellow brick road and feel happiness or feel success, but I just feel empty. And so then I had this friend who nagged me to go to a personal development seminar and I went and it really opened up my eyes to how I was allowing other people's supposed to's and sort of expectations of me dictate my choices. And I wasn't really tuning into my own truth or desires or passions. Yeah. And so I immediately quit a master's degree and started doing stand-up comedy and then continued with all these kind of like personal development, life coaching type classes. And then eventually learned, okay, I love making people laugh, but it's not the end all be all for me. So I started getting certified in life coaching and I founded my company, Awaken the Rebel. And so now I do, let's just call it, it's like the MTV version of Tony Robbins. Like I do seminars <laughs> and I do coaching, but I do it with this like edgy kind of like 
you know, yeah, <laughs> who gives a shit vibe or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, only because I find that to be more fun for myself. Like I get really bored if I try to be too namaste. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. <laughs> So, oh yeah, I I, I uh, totally. I just want to pause you for a second because I'm I'm so today for everyone listening, it's February second. I'm doing a bunch of interviews today just to get some episodes out of the way. You are now the second person, actually, the person right before you inter- interviewed was a comedian turned life coach. Just oh want, really? Just want to point that out. Yeah, <laughs> and you guys are both in LA. I should actually introduce you guys. You guys would be friends. You're in LA, right? And yeah, I yeah. would love to know who this person is because I, uh, as much as I'd love to think I'm unique, it would be much better to have friends <laughs> who are as weird as me. And <laughs> yeah, so I would love that. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna make a note. <laughs> Anyways, okay, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. So no, so that's pretty much it. So now okay. I focus mostly on the stuff I love, which is like doing my podcast. So I get to use my sort of comedic hosting skills. Mm-hmm. Plus I get to talk about stuff that matters to me. Like I don't know. Now I don't have to make a joke about the Kardashians to make people laugh. I get to actually talk about following your passions and your dreams and not being a douchebag, which is what I really care about. So yeah. I love that. <laughs> So that's kind of the mixture of the comedy and life coaching. And I have certified coaches under the Awaken the Rebel brand who do mm-hmm. actually do the coaching, whereas I focus more on the public speaking and the seminars and the retreats and the uh, podcast. So that's that's what's up over here. Nice. I love that. That's so, that's so awesome. Okay. You. So you said earlier, um, well, when you when we were emailing, you said that when you were 26 years old, you read the book, Why Men Love Bitches, and it changed yeah. your life. Now, somehow, I haven't heard of this book. Or maybe I have and I forgot. I don't know. But oh now, my I, God. May now I I'm just... going to read it. It's, I'm already going to Amazon like right now. Um, actually, I'm trying not to buy from Amazon that much anymore. So maybe I'll go to Better World Books and see if they have it. But okay. So anyways, give us a little synopsis in case other people yeah. haven't heard of it. And then why or, why or how did it change your life? All right, cool. So let me just start by saying to you and all of your listeners, you're welcome because this will <laughs> literally change your life. Um, I, okay. So I always like, I like to talk in stories. It's much more fun. So yes. I fell in, I was one of those girls who was raised by a like super mega independent mom who got divorced when I was one. And like my dad used to hit her. So it was a kind of an ugly, like not so white picket uh-huh. fancy relationship. So uh-huh. I was, I, I grew up kind of a chick who wasn't, um, obsessed with the idea of having a relationship. You know, I was kind of like, eh, you know, maybe, I don't know. My dad wasn't so great. We'll see how it goes. Mm -hmm. So it took me a long time to find my first love. I didn't actually fall for someone deeply until I was 20. And oh my God, it fell so hard. It was so gnarly. And we (laughs) lived together for a little under a year. And then I was literally crushed. It was like the worst <laughs> the worst devastation I have ever felt in my entire life. I'm glad life. you're laughing about it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, now I'm like, this is like over a decade later. I'm yeah. happily married. So it's like, you know, it's turned out okay. So <laughs> for, for your listeners who are in devastation land, there's hope, people. So yes. anyway, um, basically, I, after this like soul-crushing experience, took fi- a five-year hiatus of like, not dating seriously. And then when I was 26, I met like my next love. And so I don't even remember how this book came into my world or like who introduced it to me. Honestly, I need to know because I need to thank them for the rest of my life. But (laughs) basically I read this book, Why Men Love Bitches. And it was really good to read it at this point. Cause I think like by 26, I had done enough personal development to see how I was using, you know, this like, like strength as a shield to block out love. But then when you block out love, you also block out, or I'm sorry, yeah, to block out, I guess, I guess, let me fix that. I was using strength as a shield and not being fully vulnerable to block out pain. Yeah. What I learned after all my personal development stuff was that when you block out pain, you also block out love. You can't really have one side of that coin without the others. So I was ready, you know, like, in my heart, I was like, okay, I'm ready to be a more courageous and vulnerable and like mature version of myself so that I can experience this epic thing called love once again. Mm -hmm. And I remember back when I was 20, this lovely man that I was dating named Josh would do really nice things for me. Like he would literally drive a half an hour with a bouquet of flowers and like leave it on my bed. I wouldn't be home. I'd be like at dance practice or something. I was on a college dance team. He'd leave it on my bed and then he'd drive home for a half an hour. Like he just would be the sweetest, Mm -hmm. most loving, gorgeous man ever. And I coming from 
know, just maybe some socialization of like being like a strong, independent chick would be like, oh, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. <laughs> you know, it can almost just, it's just felt like too much. Like, oh, his, that was so nice and so much work and we didn't even get to hang out. And wow, that was, you know, and so anyway, the point is he fell out of love with me. Like that's what was so soul, soul crushing and devastating. And so when I was 26, what I started to understand was the idea of masculine and feminine energy from all my personal development geeking out. Uh-huh. And then why men love bitches really covered, it really put, instead of like talking about it in this woo-woo way of masculine and feminine, it talked about it in a way that really helped you understand how men and women communicate differently, how women are taught to give themselves away and taught to like over-communicate and taught to just be so nicey-nicey-nice and how when you're that way with a man, what it communicates is a lack of self-esteem a lack of a backbone and it just isn't hot. It's just inviting, um, either, (laughs) either a jerk or, or you would push away a really masculine man. Um, and so I started to learn better ways to communicate with men. So, you know, so like simple stuff, like men don't respond to communication. They respond to no contact. So like, instead of like writing a really long email to explain every feeling I ever had about something so he would get it, I would just go silent. So these are like Mm. the small two degree changes I made that weren't life altering to me. You know, it was Mm. just me finally choosing to be more effective when it came to my communication with men. And then when you're not becoming overly verbose, like when you're not like, blah, 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 here's all the things that are wrong or why I feel how I feel. (laughs) Yeah. And they get to feel the discomfort of silence, then they come to you and they want to know what's going on. And that's a very different energy. Instead of me overgiving or over chasing, which is basically masculine energy and pushing a man away. And then when you do that, you also become the nag, right? Like nobody wants to be the nag. Right. Um, I would learn to kind of go silent or to get real busy, you know, be still be pleasant. You know, I wouldn't be like, I'm too busy for you because you're an a-hole. It, wouldn't be like that. <laughs> it would be more like, you know, I don't really have time right now or, you know, good to hear from you, but I got to do this. And then they would get curious as to what was wrong. And then they would ask me, and then I would be able to say in a concise manner, well, when this happened, it made me feel like this. And then we could actually have a discussion and the man would self-correct if he was a good man. It also right. teaches you to like, let go of a dude if he's just not it, you know, like, right to really believe them when they tell you who they are instead of being like, no, let me make 20 excuses because he's great. Yeah. All these kinds of changes. I mean, I just implemented like crazy. And then I just learned like, Oh, I get how to communicate with a man so that I get what I want. And that made all the difference in my life. Um, I, I love that. And I think that I've never heard of it in in that way in terms of the you know the the no contact. So I have a question, and I, I'm sure some of my listeners will wonder this: Is it like you know, is there a line where it becomes more of like a petty thing, or like giving someone the silent treatment? Do you know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like, what's the what's the line there? Yeah, I mean that's honestly an awesome question. Every time I tell a client or a girlfriend or whoever about this book, they mm-hmm. always have that thought or that feeling. I'm like, well, mm-hmm. I don't want to play games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the truth is, I don't really have any clarity on the line or the not line. Sure. What I do believe is that you either want to have love in your life or you don't. And one way works and one way doesn't. And so mm-hmm. If someone just says, I don't want to play games, then continue doing what you're doing and don't be frustrated when it's not working because this book will give you a system that works. Mm -hmm. And if you work it, it's, it makes your life a lot more simple. It makes you sort of more almost in the power position. I feel like women, like when you hear why men love bitches, you're like, I don't want to be a bitch. That's terrible. That's a terrible thing to do. (laughs) And I just think it's like edgy marketing. It's like my way. It's like the same, you know, me trying to be the MTV version of Tony Robbins instead of being namaste. It's just an edgy way to say, have some self-respect yeah, and have boundaries and prioritize yourself and don't give it all up just to like hope that somebody gives a shit about you. Like, you know, value yourself. And so it sort of teaches you ways to do things differently. And I will be totally honest. There are examples in the book where I'm like, wow, that is kind of petty. I don't love that, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. Like you get to have your own line where you decide 
this is too far or this is not Mm -hmm. too far. You know, like this makes me feel like I'm standing up for myself. But if I went a little further, it makes me feel like I'm being an a-hole. Like, that's fine. You know, like do your own thing. But I will say shit works. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited to, um, to read it. So Stevie's in Denver for the next two months. We're moving up there and I'm, so I'm by myself here in Dallas. So I've got a lot of time in my hands to read. Um, so we'll definitely be (laughs) picking up that book. Yeah. Um, And let me know what you think. I love hearing people's reactions to it because it's just such a little, like I literally would tell my clients like, this is the Bible for dating. Like you have to read it. And I I would always give them this book recommendation, Why Men Love Bitches, to help them like grab their lady ovaries and like take a stand for themselves. But then I would have them read secondarily Mars and Venus on a Date by John Gray, Uh because that one gives similar thoughts and advice, though it also gives a masculine perspective. And so you can kind of see why men need to be communicated with this way or what works for them or those types of things. So it kind of softens it a little bit if it's like too bitchy. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I can totally see like, um, you know, guys communicating in a, in a, in a different way. And I think a lot of it is this idea that came from, um, Alison Armstrong's book. Um, oh my God, totally going to forget the name, but the one about how we emasculate men is this mm-hmm. idea of, um, uh, pumpkin hours and basically, and she's talking about in the, in the context of an, when you initiate sex or when you don't initiate sex. And so like mm. your pumpkin hours might be like after 10 PM, like, nope, I'm a pumpkin. I'm going to bed or whatever. <laughs> and I think that the same thing applies to when you want to have a conversation. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know there's so many times where Stevie and I are like getting ready for bed. We're going to bed and then we're in bed and we're talking and he wants to go to sleep because he gets up or not his old job. He used to get up at four 30 in the morning and it's already 10 30. So he wants to go to bed and I'm sitting there like, Oh, I want to talk about actually something that happened earlier. And he was like, we were just sitting watching TV all night. You couldn't have said something earlier. And, and so then like that always, you know, before I figured out that I was like trying to have a conversation during pumpkin hours, <laughs> right? <laughs> that, um, you know, it, it was, it was not working. It was, it would always end up in an argument. And then like, you know, it just, and right before bed, it's just not good for sleep. It's not good for anyone. Um, right. so I think a lot of it is also just pumpkin hours. Like, is this a good time for you to be having a conversation or sharing something with your partner, the person that you're dating? Or like, are they trying, are they, are they watching a game right now? Or are they like, going to bed, trying to go to bed or in the middle of their work day, you know, like, are you coaching them during pumpkin hours? Um, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like I have had to very slowly and the hard way learn with my husband, like when his pumpkin hours are, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) if I catch him and his pumpkin hours, it does not go well, but it's, (laughs) it's like, uh, and we've also learned to now give a little signal and say like, I would like some open communication. And so then we can like have this mature discussion, but if we don't preface it with, and then, you know, the other person gets to say, I'm not up for that right now, you know, or like I'm tired or I'm, I'm busy, you know, as opposed to like you just launching into something and then they're like, Oh great. Now I'm not in the mood and mm-hmm. it goes badly. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one more question about the, the no contact and I've, this mm-hmm. might be something that um, comes up. I, cause I remember when I was dating and I, w- and when I was dating, I was always that more of like the anxious attachment style. Like I just needed constant validation from the mm-hmm. person. And, um, and I do remember sometimes thinking, well, maybe I should just back off and let them, you know, come to me or contact me. And, but then I, I was always afraid, well, what if they don't ever text me again or call me again? Mm-hmm. Then what? Um, and, you know, I would say like, well, then that gives you your answer, but I'm just kind of curious if you've ever experienced that. And and if you have like a different um, mm. take on that. Well, I definitely agree with your, well, that's your answer. And I would just go further with it of saying like, you know, one thing I really appreciated when I read that Why Men Love Bitches book is I actually felt like it was very empowering to women. Like, what I learned was, oh, like, this isn't actually even a book about dating. This isn't a book about like how to get a man do, to do what you want. While the subtext is there a hundred percent, there's also this energy of when you master yourself, you then are capable of mastering a relationship or love or your man or whatever you want to call it. So mm. it made me feel more like, oh, I get it. Like I need, like, you know, for you, like in that example, like there's a part of you that felt like you needed someone else outside of yourself to give you something so that you could then relax or have peace of mind or whatever. Right. And if we're looking at it from a spiritual personal development perspective, 
that's not really true. Like we don't actually need anything outside of ourselves. And so like when we have those feelings, instead of clinging to this external person to fix it, mm-hmm. we can then go, well, what's going on for me? Like, how do I really feel right now? Like, what do I really need? Why is this happening? And then take it as an opportunity to have a little more either solitude or work out or whatever it is that you need. Like mm-hmm. it just kind of helped me realize like, Oh, I can give myself what I need. Like I don't need to be always looking to this external person to give it to me. And then what's nice is like, once you take the pressure off this external person, like they're so happy to come and give you whatever you need, you know, like yeah. when they don't feel that pull. Yeah. It's really, so yeah. So, so I definitely true. agree with you. Yeah. So true. That's, that's a big part of, of, you know, of what I teach. So can you share how you then you're 26 and you are going, beginning to learn about personal development. And then I guess you met your husband somewhat soon after that. Oh, well, actually, it took story? a few years. Okay. Can you tell us that story? <laughs> I, I would love to tell you that story because not only is it just fun and entertaining from my perspective, see your <laughs> listeners might be like, whatever, dude, that story sucked. But um, <laughs> but it's actually really just, it's a really uncanny, strange, coincidental type of story. So basically, I was actually 27 when I met him. And mm-hmm. so let's just say between wow, that's crazy. I guess it was only between 26 and 27 that I (laughs) read this book. Okay. So basically I had kind of dated enough people and gotten disappointed enough to like where I was finally at that space where I'm sure we've all been, which is like, I'm taking a dating hiatus. Like I was convinced that I was going to take six months of like celibacy and total, like I call me mother Teresa, but I am not (laughs) on the market, you know? So that was my plan. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, okay, I'm very deeply disappointed in the way things have gone as far as, you know, my romantic life, you know, but there were four guys that I felt I got stuck on in the last, you know, few years of my life. It was really tough for me to get over. And so I started to look at it from this sort of big picture perspective. And I was like, okay, so what did I like about those guys? What was it about them individually that really made me kind of want to hang on to them? And so I realized there was like these four things, like with one guy, we had this really amazing fun and chemistry. We just clicked so well and it was so much fun. And there was just this like amazing energy between us. And it was like, I I really loved that though. He was a frat boy and it was never going to work out. And so I had to let him go. Another guy, we had a really great intellectual connection though. He like was emotionally (laughs) devoid of the ability to commit. So that wasn't going to go anywhere. Another guy really had his like leadership and career energy together. Like I felt like I respected him a lot because he was like a pioneer in his field and he made decisions for himself and he sort of had entrepreneurial energy. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that was the third thing. And then the fourth one was someone who actually was off and on with for a really long time. And he was just like my best friend. Like we had such a great companionship. And so I did that these were what I started to call my four pillars of man strength. <laughs> so I needed someone who was fun and I had chemistry with, who I could have intellectual conversation with, who had their career and sort of leadership energy together, and who could be like my best, fun, amazing companion friend. Mm-hmm. So these were my four pillars of man strength. And I was also kind of like, I'm kind of sick of dating guys that are my age. Like whenever I, as a 27-year-old woman, date someone who's like, right around my age, I feel like it ends up not going well. So I gave myself this age requirement of they had to at least be four years older than me. And I was on the verge of turning 28. So I was like, I'm only going to date this person if they are 32 at minimum and have the four pillars of man strength. (laughs) (laughs) And so right before, so so I had this, the one pillar, the guy, the intellectual connection guy. Mm -hmm. I remember noticing that he did not like the artist Eminem, who I am literally in love with. Like, I just think he's such a genius lyricist, crazy as he may be. Like, I just feel like he's so talented and poetic and like deep and interesting. And I just love all his layers, you know? Mm-hmm. So I remember being really weirded out that he didn't like Eminem. Like I was literally just like, who would not like Eminem? It's so odd. Like he's just so talented, so weird. So in a moment of disappointment, because he was the last one before I met my husband, I told my girlfriend, I am never dating anyone again who doesn't <laughs> like Eminem. Because if someone doesn't like Eminem, they must not understand human emotion. Like that was the decision I made, right? <laughs> so the next day, I go on my first date with Kenny, who turns out to be my husband, though I didn't know at the time, obviously. Uh-huh. And 
I'm sitting there. It was kind of a setup. It was one of my best friends. She'd worked with him. So she and her boyfriend and Kenny and me all went to brunch. It was kind of like a blind date, but like more like a group date. So it wasn't very awkward, you know? Okay. So we get there. I, and I sort of like one, I wouldn't have even gone on the date if he wasn't the age requirement, but he was 32. She checked. <laughs> so that was good. And he, from our conversation, I was like, okay, I am like, it's see, I don't know. Obviously I'll have to do a little more research on this dude, but he seems to have the potential for the four pillars of man strength. Like, he was totally charming and fun. We had chemistry. He seemed very intellectual. He asked me interesting questions. He had the ability to connect. Seemed like he could be a companion buddy if, if it went that way. Mm-hmm. And he definitely had his career together. So I was like, okay, good. So everything was kind of going swimmingly. We're having a nice time. And anyway, we basically like each other so much that we decide instead of ending the date after brunch, we're all going to go back to my best friend Jessica's house and we're going to like play cards or hang out or just whatever. Mm-hmm. So Jessica goes with her boyfriend in his car and I go with Kenny in his car and he's listening to K-Rock and I'm being a smart ass. And I'm like, oh, so you're that guy. You're like the rock guy. And he's like, no, I'm not that guy. Don't put me in a box. He's like, let's see what I have in my CD player. And he presses play and like Eminem comes blaring on the speakers. <laughs> I was literally like, oh my God. So I'm texting my girlfriend that I was with the night before when I had proclaimed I would never date anyone who didn't like Eminem. I literally started texting her, oh my God, he's the one, like playfully and being ridiculous. But turns out he was the one. He was. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. So there's that. And then there's a little other piece of story that I want to tell your peeps, just because I feel like it's a, it's important as far as like, I don't know, just, I feel like obviously every, everything I've geeked out on and learned, I've just learned so much about the conscious and the subconscious mind. And like, mm-hmm. you know, our conscious mind is a thinking mind and it can really only process like seven things at a time on average. Right. And our subconscious mind is like a friggin' genius and it beats our heart at night when we're asleep and it remembers everything and, yeah. you know, it stores pain so that we can still function. And then it uh, like brings past memories so that we can move those stored pieces of, you know, pain out of our system so we can, it's just such a genius. It's great. Yeah. Right. And our subconscious mind is like a feeling mind. It can be likened to like a five or six year old child. You know, it's not a super intellectual thinky type of a, place. And so oftentimes like subconscious mind will communicate through your body. And I remember like three or four days before I went on this date with Kenny, I went on another date with someone I had met randomly at like an airport in an airport line or something weird like that. And he was just a totally nice, cute guy. We had a nice, great time. But I remember at the end when he tried to like kiss me and be in my physical bubble, I had a really bad reaction to it. I remember just having this like like I don't want to kiss you right now like get out of my face moment Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and I remember like you know fast forward to me having this date with Kenny you know the four pillars of man strength were there he was 32 even before the M&M came blaring out of the speakers we were kind of walking along the marina this was like in Marina del Rey by the water Mm -hmm. we're just walking and talking and then he stopped because he wanted he like pulled out this like he was in a photographer mode at the time. <laughs> so cute. And he starts taking pictures of this really cute old couple who is dancing. And like, there's this like guy playing a banjo. And it was just kind of like a fun, cute, you know, beach scene or whatever. Yeah. So we yeah. stopped so we can take a picture. And I remember like our shoulders brushed. I just felt this like, and I just physically remember feeling like I loved having him in my bubble. Like I just felt like man, I like him next to me. Like, I don't know what that means, but it was almost good to have the like of him being next to me in juxtaposition to the guy that I had gone on the date with three days before, because it was just such an obvious indicator that this was a yes. I didn't understand why I had no logic behind it. It just was like, I physically felt happy and like warm and fuzzy when he was in my pool, you know? I, I, I love that you bring this up because I don't think we've talked about it too much on the podcast. And it's something that I teach to my clients about the conscious subconscious mind that our subconscious mind has a lot of information that we don't have access to in a way that we can understand logically through the conscious mind, but it's constantly communicating to us through the body. Um, and, 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 and that's really what, you know, intuition is at, at the end of the day is channeling into that energy. So I'm so glad that you shared this story. Um, thank you. And I'm glad that you like that part of the story too, because like sometimes <laughs> it does feel really random, but I'm like, man, it's so important. It's just, 
you have to you have to feel it. This is why you can't just date a guy who's great on paper or like date a girl who's great on paper. Like there is some, you know, like nebulous element to finding the one or love or whatever that you can only experience like in your actual physiology, you know? Yeah. And I had a very similar experience with Stevie. And at that time when I I was dating, I was dating a lot. And, um, it's funny when I met Stevie, I kind of knew like who he was because we met through mutual friends. So I had an idea of who he was. Um, and I was like, Oh, well, you know, I- I'm interested in meeting him, but on paper, like I knew that he wasn't right. Or, let me say that I thought that he wasn't the right person for me because on paper, mm-hmm. it was just someone that I'd never had dated before. Like he was an engineer at this point. I was in the political world mm-hmm. and that's all who I had ever dated other types of people in the political world. And, um, and so when we met though, I felt like this, there was just like this connection that I was just like, whoa, what was, what the hell was that? What just happened? <laughs> and, and I, and it's funny. And I, and I tell people this, I felt actually really confident moving in that or, or just like flirting with him and talking to him. And, and in the weeks, you know, that followed us initially meeting, I just felt really confident. Cause even though I felt like that attraction and that connection that you're talking about, mm-hmm. um, I kept telling, t- telling myself, even though I feel this way, it doesn't matter because on paper, like we would never work out. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. And so like, I almost like did it. I felt like, I guess I was going at it with like feeling like I had nothing to lose. Um, because I was, I was telling myself, Oh, it's never going to be anything serious anyways. And so I just kept going for it. Cause like I, I almost in some ways didn't care, but it's like, that's the mindset that you want when you, when you, when you date, it's not that like you don't care, but it's just that you are just willing to just do whatever because yeah, whatever happens like is, is fine whether the relationship works or it, or it doesn't, but having that sense of just, um, non-attachment, I mean, that's what we call it in yoga. Um, also a yoga teacher. So, um, having that non-attachment really helps you to, you know, be vulnerable and just to, yeah. to show up authentically. So I love the story. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true too. Like what you just said kind of speaks to what we were saying earlier of like when you have that pressure on the other person, like that attachment, that pressure, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It does. It just like pushes them away. It's like it's almost like it's like a little suffocating. It almost doesn't leave the room for like the natural progression of things, the dance. And it actually says that in that book, Why Men Love Bitches. It says like basically you want to treat if you really like a guy, you want to treat him how you would treat a guy that you actually were not that into. <laughs> Oh my God. I could have written that book because that was pretty much what happened with yeah, TV and, and me. That, that is, that is so funny. Okay. So I want to, um, to, to switch gears a little bit. So you are, you know, you're the rebel you're lead, leading like this rebel revolution. And I want to read something that was in your, in your bio. Um, I mean, your bio is amazing. Um, but you say she's a regular gal doing her best to piss off the world and leave it a better place. And I would just love to hear a little bit more about that because, you know, one thing that I really help my clients do is to um, feel empowered and to live unapologetically and ask for what they want, honor their boundaries, all that sort of good stuff. Um, but people are so afraid of pissing people off or getting judged or people not liking them. So I, I was just kind of wondering if you can share a little bit about that, especially since you were in that place and now you are not. That is such a good question. And like, even just like topic of conversation, because, you know, it's funny, like I really have, I have settled more and more into this role, I guess you you can call it, of like becoming more and more at ease or an acceptance of the fact that I can be a catalyst and I can even, you know, in choosing the thing that I think is healthy or the thing that uh, makes my life extraordinary, like in those choices, I could really be pissing somebody off or making them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So the truth is, it's actually taken me a long while to get good with that. It's because of what you're talking about, this sort of like, man, like, you know, I don't want to make anybody upset. I don't want to ruffle feathers. Like I want everyone to be happy. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's just taken so long to peel back the layers of that. And like, I, I don't know if we're going to discuss it or not, but I did write a blog recently in the midst of like being pregnant and on bed rest and all this crazy stuff about shedding the layers of codependency, like, you know, being sort of like a person who's a recovering codependent, 
I, a long, for a long time, my MO was always to make a, the other person happy, the other person at ease, accommodate the other person. And oftentimes I would sort of forget myself in the process, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of ways, and this is probably why I branded my company as Awaken the Rebel, is that I had to learn one, to check in with myself. So like, what do I actually want? Whether it looks rebellious or if it looks compliant, who gives a crap? Like, what's the truth for me, you know? And two, great, now that I'm going to act on my truth, is it okay if I make somebody upset, you know? Is it okay that like somebody doesn't like it or it makes them uncomfortable? And for a long time, the answer was no. And so I sort of felt, I think, a little bit bad about, you know, going and certain, like, you know, quitting a master's degree and doing stand-up comedy. My family was not very happy with that choice. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the moments where I'm like, I'm just going to let you be angry, you know, like, whatever, dude. And slowly but surely you make enough of those choices and you're like, oh my God, my life is awesome. And so I'm bought in, you know, but it did take a long time to get there. Like there was a lot of insecurity and a lot of stuff that went on in the beginning where I was like, is this crazy? Am I a crazy person? So I get, I'm totally shooting in different directions and I actually even am not even I like brain farting on the initial question. But I guess all that to say, like, I think... I think once you're okay with letting people down, you then are free to say yes to yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I find that people, um, um, you know, we're so afraid of pissing people off or upsetting people or making them feel uncomfortable. And, and my experience in doing that by, you know, being pretty unconventional, um, Mm -hmm. people don't actually stay that upset for as long as we think mm. they're going to. That's been, been my experience. And I've also um, experienced, and and perhaps you have too, that um, they it actually generates a level of respect. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, that is a great point. Um, I think from my experience, either A, people weren't as pissed off, either A, people aren't pissed off, uh, they are pissed off, but it's not that long, like you said, or they actually just phase themselves out of my life. Those have been mm-hmm. my sure. sort of like, you know, variations of, oh, oh no, this may, like literally when I got married, a lot of my single friends were upset. Yeah. God love them. But it's like, it made them uncomfortable. They wanted to get married and they weren't. And I was. And so they had to deal with their own stuff that came up around it. Right. And that was very uncomfortable for me to be like, well, I don't want to let you down, but I can't not go marry the love of my life. Like I can't, you know? <laughs> so it was like... And like, same thing happened. Like when I got pregnant, my sister who's older than me and wanted to be pregnant was like ragefully angry at me. And again, it was one of those things where I'm like, man, I just got to let her be upset. Like I'm not actually doing anything wrong right now. I'm just moving forward with my life and I love her and I want her to have everything she wants. And I'm not going to not move forward with my life to make someone feel comfortable. So I don't know. It's just kind of one of those things where yeah, you gotta like, you gotta be down. You have to like, just to your listeners to encourage them to like, take it from queen rubble. Okay. Like <laughs> you literally, I mean, honestly, like you cannot have the life you want. If you are so concerned with making other people happy, you cannot, yeah. you will inevitably make somebody angry or uncomfortable just by being an innocent, good person who is progressing in your life. It's like, there's no way around right. making other people upset. Right. So if we can just learn how to cope with that, learn how to ease the conflict, whatever we got to do to like keep going basically in the face of angering others. I think that's really the question. Like, what is that for you? How does it look for you to keep progressing even when other people are uncomfortable about it? You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And so right now, Stevie and I are in the midst of wedding planning and (laughs) there is nothing that, that I think that you do in your life that will you feel like you have to make everyone happy, but then you just realize that you can't. And so at the end of the day, you just got to do what you want to do. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I had no idea that wedding planning had so much drama filled. <laughs> My God, a wedding will definitely like give you a, a crazy situation. You got to make some hard and fast decisions about like, yeah, I mean, definitely good life lessons. I mean, what you could say a wedding is a little bit more superficial for sure, but like then, you know, quitting your job and being a comedian or whatever, but like, it's still just good communication lessons and, you know, lessons on just dealing with parents and mothers-in-laws and oh, yeah. like other people's expectations, other people's projections of how you should do it. My God, it's all, Oh my God, yeah. it's intense. 
Yeah. Good luck to you. I, <laughs> I pray for you, girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. So one other question about, you know, living unapologetically is, um, you said on your website that you help people stop settling for less and live an extraordinary life by their design. And, um, I used, you know, there's a lot of different iterations of like living and like living big or living your extraordinary life and all that kind of stuff or playing big. I think that's the word I'm looking for, the phrase I'm looking for. And sometimes for me, I get really overwhelmed. Like, Oh my God, does that mean I have to like be (laughs) sailing around the, on a sailboat for like, you know, and blogging from there and like catching my fish or the fish for dinner or whatever. I mean, like, and sometimes I'm like, am I not living like an extraordinary life enough? So I'm just kind of curious, like, like how, to someone find what their brand of living an extraordinary life is, even if it's like something quote unquote simple, like, right. You know, just, I don't know, walking the dog, working, right. Having, like, like how do you find what your extraordinary is or your own version of extraordinary is? I think that's a really awesome question. And I honestly can say everyone's is different. And so I love yeah. that you brought up this feeling of like, Oh no, the pressure, like that means I have to be on this crazy yacht around the world. And I don't <laughs> want to do that. Like I really, it's so funny because it's like there's there's so such a big part of me that's all about like passion and purpose and like like you said like go big live big don't be in the limitations right like that's the like expansive part yeah. but then there's this other part of me that's like you have to do what answers your soul's calling so you can't yeah. get caught up in like trying to be Oprah like everyone in our industry wants to be Oprah or Tony Robbins you know like everyone is like that's their north star and I'm like is that really what your soul wants though? Like when I was a kid, I thought I wanted to be a famous performer. I was like, sing, dance, professional soccer player. I don't care. I want to be famous. Like that's what I really thought. And like the more I grow up, like I literally had this like little teensy taste of fame. When I was in high school, I was voted homecoming queen. (laughs) I trust me. I did not try for that. It just happened. And so it was like this moment of like being the queen of high school, you know, like I was the one. I hated it, man. I freaking hated it. So like, even in my rebel life, I'm like, I think slowly but surely I've realized, even though I had these ideas about what would be this amazing life and what I wanted when I was a kid, I have actually answered my own soul's call, like, and done things like stand-up comedy and gotten out there and whatever. I really love my freedom more than anything. And I don't believe I would be able to have the level of freedom that I currently have if I became a professional, famous, whatever, I I really don't. And I wouldn't be able to have this freedom. If I became a doctor, I would be all kinds of rules and bureaucracy. And I'd probably want to freaking hang myself. Like (laughs) it just would never have worked for like what my soul craves. And so I'm a big fan of the transcendentalist movement, like Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson. Like, you know, they talk about going in deep into the woods and really like examining if you had lived your life deliberately. And I, I, so I believe the way everyone finds their version of an extraordinary life is that they have to look within, like they have to. Carl Jung has this quote, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakens. And so to me, like if you're really going to wake up to what you want, you have to go quiet. You have to go inward. You have to know who you actually are. And sometimes it's trial and error, you know, like, like for me, I had to try stand up comedy and not like it. You know, I had to try this and not like it to find your path. But I think if you're committed to your extraordinary life, you'll find it eventually. It might be like a pinball machine, but you get there. (laughs) And I think what you bring up is really poignant because a lot of people do just think like, oh, if it's extraordinary, it must be big, must be out there, you know? And I'm like, God, no, (laughs) just no, like find what works for you and what you want and then go make that happen. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be small. It doesn't have to be medium. It doesn't actually have to be anything, but it has to be the truth for you, which is different for everyone. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Um, so right now you're on bed rest, right? Yes. Okay. Is this your extraordinary? Is this your version of extraordinary life? No. I, I, so oh, I read your. Oh my God. <laughs> so I want you to talk a little bit about because you had, and I'm going to link on the show notes, but you had a really great blog post about um, just, I mean, your with your experiences being pregnant now twice, and and then just having to surrender and let someone else take care of you. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that and 
Um, you know, I, I know a lot of most of the women listening to this aren't moms or pregnant, although we do have quite a few single moms. But I think though that the lessons that you talk about are pretty universal. Well, my gosh, it's just, I feel like a lot of my life lessons that I've learned in, in, I mean, even in dating, like even when I was moving from a single person into a person in a relationship, into an engaged person, into a married person, like every level I think was really teaching me how to, uh, balance my masculine and feminine energy. I believe like we're socialized in our Western society to be like really strong, super women. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, even in dating, I had to learn how to be more feminine. Like I had to learn how to not like lead all the time. I had to learn how to not initiate all the time. I had to learn how to not like dominate conversations or whatever, you know? Yeah. And, then, and then when I got married, I mean, we actually had a quick kid really fast, like in our, within our first year of marriage, we were having our first child. So to me, like marriage and first child are like kind of blurred as far as like the face goes. <laughs> but once I had my first, I think the universe was trying to get me to slow down and calm down and maybe not be so ambitious, like towards my wannabe Oprah career and just like calm down, you know, like be in the phase of life that I'm in and trust that whatever is meant to happen will happen. But I was like really pushing when I had my first kid Uh and I then got postpartum depression, which was a bitch to like even identify because I'd never really had mental illness issues before. Like I was always able to like coach myself out of anything negative. So it was very strange for me to not feel in control of my stability, I guess you could say. Yeah. So yeah, in a lot of ways, it's been all these lessons to teach me to relax and surrender and trust and not be hyper controlling and not try to do it all and allow other people to support me. And I just think this pregnancy being on bed rest again, and also it was a lot more dramatic this time. Like they put me on bed rest my first pregnancy, but it was never like, oh, your baby's going to die. It was just like, stay off your feet, take it easy, you know, stay home. We'll just call it home rest. With my second pregnancy, when my my baby, my fetus, whatever we want to call him at that juncture, was 24 weeks, they put me in the hospital and basically were like, if you go into labor right now, which it looks like you're going to, this baby's going to die. So it was like a life or death situation. It's very dramatic. Yeah. And, you know, when you're faced with life or death situations, quickly priorities become clear. And I was like, okay. I need to stop like whatever pushing I'm trying to do right now, whatever I'm trying to be for everyone or whatever. I don't, I literally had to like any codependent impulse I had to fulfill anyone else's needs, but my own quickly went out the window because it was like, Oh no, if you push yourself right now on behalf of other people, you will kill your baby. (laughs) So it was like, Whoa, like this is a situation where it became really black and white, really simple to choose my happiness you know, and take stress off my plate. And it was just, I got the full permission from the universe, from the doctors, for my husband to be like a freaking selfish a-hole if I really wanted to, you know? (laughs) So that experience, I mean, it's crazy. Like when you decide that you're finally going to surrender and like lay down and like let everybody serve and support you. Whoa. Like what a different life, not trying to prove my worth by giving or doing not trying to be there for anyone else and what they need, just being totally present to what I need. I mean, as women, we are taught from the day we come out of the womb to give and to be there for others and to help, you know? So it was like such a reversal of my impulses. And that's what that blog is about. It's really about how strength can oftentimes be a shield. And there's a story in there about how on my wedding day, Because my dad, uh, while my mom and dad were divorced, and I didn't really, I mean, we did visitations, but I didn't really grow up with him. You know, we Mm -hmm. just kind of did visitations because we were supposed to. We didn't have a great relationship. But he passed away when I was 17. And then so my wedding day, I was like 31. And so he wasn't there, you know. Mm -hmm. And my husband was doing the traditional dance with his mom. And I wasn't doing a dance with my dad, (laughs) you know. So Mm -hmm. his dad came and asked me to dance. And at the time... I told myself what I always tell myself as a recovering codependent, which is, oh, I'll dance with him so that he feels comfortable. Like, I don't really want to dance with him. I actually don't even want the attention on me right now because I don't want people feeling sorry for me that I don't have a father here. But because I'm going to be polite on behalf of his feelings, sure. 
So I danced with him, totally was like uncomfortable and just was like going through the motions, putting on my mm-hmm. best smile. You know, I was like, ha ha, cool. <laughs> this is for you, buddy. And then I just remember thinking about that day, like, you know, like a week after the wedding and I would always like come, like I would cry. Like I would, it was almost like so sweet that he did that, that it would bring me to tears, which I found very peculiar since in the moment I thought I was just doing him a favor, you know? Yeah. So fast forward to now I'm on bed rest and um, Kenny, my husband's dad, Chuck flies into town to help take care of Maya, our toddler, so that I can continue to be on bed rest. Like the whole family really like rallied to help, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm watching Maya with her grandpa and like Maya with her daddy. And like, here I am just laying on my ass, literally, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and everyone, there's all this masculine support. I mean, there's totally feminine support, but I think it was for me a healing moment of like, Oh, this is so beautiful that Maya is being so cared for by all this masculine energy. Like she doesn't even know how good she has it. And I didn't even know what I was missing when I was a kid. Cause I just didn't know, like I didn't have a dad and it was just whatever, you know? Yeah. So in this moment I had this aha that like I became hyper, hyper strong, like in an effort to avoid the fact that there was a developmental need that wasn't met when I was young. And so in this pregnancy, it's been a lot about, letting myself be supported by the masculine, which is something I wouldn't do before. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. my God, like for your listeners, like I really believe this is key for women. Like so many times we are being masculine and we want to find this big manly man, but we're like pushing him away, repelling him because we're being masculine. Like you need to be feminine in order to have that sort of natural magnetism to a masculine man. And I feel like we are, not taught correctly what that looks like. You know, we sort of learn the hard way or we got to come to, you know, Veronica to make like to teach us or read why men love bitches or something because we're taught to like give and giving is like mothering energy and mothering is masculine energy. Like, let me wipe your ass. Let me tell you what to do. Let me make your lunch for you. Like that's (laughs) giving, giving, giving. And while you think mom is like, the girl, no, like mothering is masculine energy. Yeah. So a yeah. lot of times women overgive and they overdo. And I just feel like what I've learned in this period and what the blog is about is to receive and to receive graciously and to stop giving. And shockingly, my God, Veronica, it has literally revolutionized my life. Like it's my life is 180 degrees better than it already was because of this lesson. So yeah. If nothing else, I hope your peeps get a little juicy nugget out of that because I really believe that's where the money is, you know? Oh yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. And I just love, um, I I think part of the, the issue is that, you know, especially, um, for, for single women, we're just so ingrained with like, well, you're keeping your independence and your sense of self and all your married friends are, have lost their independence and don't know who they are anymore. And that's the story that we tell ourselves, the story that I told myself for many years and I really wanted to be in a relationship, but it's like, it, but, and, and so that's really that masculine energy. And then we just keep repelling relationships or men. And then it's just the cycle continues. But if we can soften and receive and even yeah. just admit to ourselves and others that we do want to be supported and we want a relationship that it doesn't make you weak or, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not like an independent person. Mm-hmm. Don't know who you are. Um, so I, I really, really love that you, you shared this story. Um, so I think this is a really good note to, to end on. I think this is a really good, um, uh, golden nugget for people to walk away with. So <laughs> I'm sure people listening will want to find you on the interwebs. So mm-hmm. where can they do that? Awakentherebel.com. That's where I live. Awesome. And we'll have that link in the show notes. And then I think we also have some of your Instagram and Facebook and all that kind of fun stuff. So we'll put that all in the show notes for everyone. Um, you can just tap your podcast player and grab all those links. And the last question I ask all of my guests is what is your favorite way to treat yourself? Ooh, that's fun. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, massage, mani, petty, naughty treat at Starbucks or in and out burger. <laughs> <laughs> Those are my favorites. One of those, uh, a combination will make my day. Um, I like that. I definitely can relate to the Manny Petty. I actually don't <laughs> like Manny, or I don't like pedicures that much. I like getting manicures a lot, though. Um, and I've never been to In-N-Out. It's a West Coast thing, apparently. Uh, 
the flight. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love me some Starbucks all day, every day. <sighs> Have you tried their new ham and cheese croissant to die for? <laughs> no, well, that's the other thing is I'm a vegetarian, so. I'm sorry. I'm giving you all the tips. Well, then In-N-Out's not really going to work for you either. I mean, you can get a grilled cheese. Do you do cheese? Um, yeah. yeah, I do cheese, but do they have good French fries? That's what I'm really interested they in. They do have really good French fries. I don't know, man. You might not love it, actually. If you're not a, like a meat burger person, it might not float your boat. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show today and for sharing your wisdom. I know everyone loved what you had to share. So just thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. It was a blast. I love what you're up to. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Date Yourself Radio. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive free coaching with me in an upcoming episode or submit your question. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe to it in iTunes. I would also be so grateful if you left a review since that helps me share the power of dating yourself with more women. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be a part of my community at veronicagrant.com. Until next week, here's to treating yourself the way you want to be treated. Much love and happy dating. Are you ready to enhance your future in tech? Then it's time to make your move to the UK, the nation that has more tech unicorns than France, Germany, and Sweden combined. The nation that was third in the world to have a $1 trillion tech sector valuation. The nation where great talent comes together. Visit gov.uk forward slash great talent to see how you can work, live, and move to the UK. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.